I am Grandpa, and I love you. I'm Grandma, and I love you too. Welcome to our podcast, Grandpa and Grandma Bedtime Stories. We share some stories that will make you laugh. We share stories that might make you cry. And we share stories that will give you courage to choose the right. And these bedtime stories will help you to dream sweet dreams. So get on your pajamas and say your prayers. Turn out the light and hear our story tonight. This story is entitled, How Grandma Met Me in a Bubble Bath and Ended Up with Twelve Children. The moral of the story is, you'd better be careful before you take a bubble bath. This may sound like a crazy love story, and it is. It is a story full of miracles. I share this story with the tenderness of my heart. I might even cry a little bit as I tell it to you. It's very special to me. This story starts when Grandma Juanita died and left me, Edward Jeffrey Hill, a single dad with eight kids. You know them. They are your parents and the Hill Mulford aunts and uncles. When Juanita died, it felt like my world had ended. My tears rarely stopped. Juanita and I loved each other so much. I thought I could never be happy again. I believed I could never love another woman again like I loved Juanita. But as you will see in the story, I was wrong. For the first few weeks after Juanita died, the neighbors were amazing in their service. They brought in delicious meals every single day. I didn't have to cook at all. Once in a church meeting, one of the children thanked everyone for the delicious food and mentioned how much we loved pizza and root beer. The next few days, we got many pizzas and gallons of root beer. Women from the church came over and deep-cleaned our house every week. Neighborhood moms were frequently asking me if they could watch Sweet Seth after school while I was at work. After a couple of months, naturally, the neighbors stopped bringing food and stopped cleaning the house and stopped tending the kids. I was still so sad about Juanita passing away, and now our home was starting to descend into chaos. When Grandma Juanita was alive, I had been a pretty good dad. Without her, I was finding I was a marginal dad and, frankly, a lousy mom. I didn't have the energy to be a dad, much less to be a mom, too. I found that if being a good mom were reduced to specific instructions, it would contain a checklist of more than a thousand things. My problem was that not only was I not doing the things a good mom does, I didn't even know what all those things were. Let me share a couple of examples. One morning, we were running late. Daughter Emily had missed a ride, and she needed me to take her to Orem High School immediately. Eight-year-old Seth hurried to finish preparing his lunch, and I gathered up materials for my day of teaching at BYU. With haste, we scurried out to the van and I started to back out of the driveway. Then, Seth got a terrified look on his face. What? he exclaimed. I looked at Seth. What's wrong? I asked. Then, with deep concern in his voice, he said, I forgot to get dressed. I looked at him, and sure enough, he was not wearing his school clothes, but was instead wearing his pajamas. None of us had noticed. He ran in and got dressed. 
Seth, Emily, and I were all late to school. No one was happy, and it was all my fault. A good mom or dad would have noticed that Seth wasn't dressed and reminded him with good time to get on his clothes. Let me share another experience. I will forewarn you that this experience is folklore in our family, and every child has a different memory of what happened. But let me tell you my version. Late one Saturday afternoon, we had forgotten to have lunch and we were all hungry. Amanda decided to make a bag of popcorn using the microwave oven located in the laundry room. A few minutes later, Aaron decided to broil nachos in the main oven located in the kitchen. But (laughs) things did not go as planned. Amanda had accidentally set the microwave for 30 minutes instead of three minutes. And she was in the middle of reading a good book and totally forgot about the popcorn in the microwave. Soon, everyone was smelling something burning and searching for what in the heck it might be. Of course, everyone saw the oven in the kitchen and assumed the smell was coming from the nachos. But they checked the nachos several times. It was just warming up, and they could see the cheese had not even melted yet. In just a minute, the burning smell was definitely smoke. When one of the children opened the door to the laundry room, she found it full of smoke, belching from the microwave. Someone, most believe it was Aaron, carried the microwave out to the front yard. Everyone followed him. They couldn't believe how much smoke there was and how bad it smelled. Of course, now, everyone was outside and focused on the microwave. And everyone had forgotten about the nachos on broil in the kitchen. You guessed it. Smoke was now billowing out of the oven in the kitchen, and the nachos were jet black. The good news, of course, was that we discovered our smoke detectors don't work. Through these and other countless daily disasters, I found that as a mother, I always fell short. At first, this made me frustrated, sad, angry, and discouraged. No matter how hard I tried, I always felt short. The story I told myself was that I was not a good mom, and that I wasn't even a good dad, and perhaps I wasn't even a good person. Seemed like all the other mothers did things much better than I did. There were things to feel guilty about 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year. It was not fun. After about a year, I was stressed nearly to the breaking point. It was as if a heavy, dark, cold, wet storm had moved in. I felt like I was moving in glue. I poured my soul out to God for some kind of relief. Sometimes I'd even be upset with him. Why did he have to take Juanita back to the spirit world? Did he think he needed her more than I did? Didn't make any sense, and it hurt me to the core. But then, in the moment of greatest despair, the miracle started. To understand this miracle, I must take you back a year before Juanita passed away. One morning before a busy day of teaching at the university, a month before Juanita died, I prayed to God while I was walking on the Bonneville Shoreline Trail and talked with him about the day. 
In this season, I was spending all of my time with Juanita because she was going to die soon. I would only go to work at BYU for a few hours twice a week to teach my classes. However, on this morning, I felt an overwhelming impression that I should go into BYU all day and write an article for The Ensign, which was then our churchwide magazine. The impression became urgent for me. Inexplicably, I felt like I should write that article that very day. I talked to Juanita about it, and she told me to follow my prompting. So I went into BYU about 8 o'clock in the morning, and by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I emailed an article to the Ensign. I didn't expect to hear anything anytime soon from the Ensign. I had already published three articles with the Ensign before. The first one took 14 years before it was published. So I was very surprised that on the very next day, Roger Terry, an editor of the Ensign, sent me an email telling me that my article was just what they were looking for. To make a long story short, my article entitled The Proclamation, A Guide, A Comfort, and an Inspiration was published in April 2006, one year after Juanita passed away. Okay, now let's get back to the bubble bath and the miracle of the 12 children. In April 2006, in Kaysville, Utah, there was a young widow named Tamara Snell Mulford, and she was raising four Mulford children. She had lost her husband three years before to a massive heart attack. As was her custom, she would put the Mulford children to bed and, with a handful of chocolate chips, she would read a magazine article in the Ensign while she took a bubble bath in her jacuzzi. That night, she read my article in the jacuzzi and thought to herself, Oh my, that's a nice article. Here's where the miracle started. During the night, she awakened three times with a distinct impression to write a comment to the ensign thanking them for my insightful article. When she got up in the morning, she set the thought aside, thinking, oh, that's just a cheap way to get your name in print. However, all through the morning, the impression would not leave her alone, and she realized the only way to calm it down was to respond. So little afternoon, she sat down at her computer and composed a short four-line email comment to the Ensign, thanking them for my insightful article. Just a few minutes later, the same editor, Roger Terry, who had published my article, read the comment. He knew what a difficult time I was having as a single dad. He immediately forwarded the comment to me, hoping it would raise my spirits. Just a few minutes later, I read the comment on my computer at BYU. The words of that comment seemed to have a bigger-than-life influence on me. It was as if the fog, which had been so thick, immediately lifted. The clouds dispersed, and I could feel rays of sunshine. I felt warm and alive for the first time in a long while. I didn't know who this person was, this Tammy, but I knew God knew who I was and had sent this message to reassure me that he was there 
and that he cared for me. I wanted to thank the person who had been the answer to my prayers that day, so I asked Roger to provide me the email. He said, I'm sorry, but that information is confidential. By the way, confidential means that you aren't supposed to share it with anyone. But when I looked carefully at what he sent me, I found in all the gobbledygook that used to accompany email messages an electronic address, an email that might be connected with Tammy. I sent a short response to that address saying something like, Thank you for brightening my day. Thank you for being an answer to my prayer. Tammy was very surprised to have a response to her email within an hour. She thought that information should be kept private. And it was. It's just that I was pretty smart. But when she read my comment, she decided to take a chance and respond to my email. And then I responded to hers, and back and forth, and back and forth. I found that we had a lot in common. We wrote several emails that day and shared ideas about how to deal with grief and how to make single parenting easier. We even shared dating tips. After about a week and 21 emails, we decided to talk on the phone. When I heard Tammy's voice, it was like I was talking with my best friend. I don't like talking on the phone, and when I was a teenager, I hated talking to girls on the phone. But talking to Tammy was just so comfortable. We started talking every night on the cell phone outside in the backyard. I didn't want any of my kids to know that I was talking to a woman. This was before there was unlimited cell phone plans. That month, I had a $700 cell phone bill. A few weeks later, we went out on our first date to dinner and to a play. In the middle of the play, an excitement, almost giddiness, came over me. Tammy helped me realize I could love again. She helped me realize that there was still joy that I could claim in this life, in marriage. I felt such an attraction to her. To make a long story short, we dated a few months, we got engaged, we got married, and now we have a family of 12 children and 36 grandchildren. It hasn't been easy, but our love grows stronger every year. I'm so, so, so grateful. And I will always be grateful that Tammy miraculously became aware of me while eating chocolate chips and taking a bubble bath in her jacuzzi. I want to tell you that miracles do happen. When we pray for miracles, those miracles can come. They don't always come in exactly the time or the way we want, but they do come. They really do. I can tell you that is true especially when we're so sad. Miracles can help us to feel happy again. I am grateful beyond measure that God blessed me with Tammy so that you grandchildren could have a grandmother in person 
and also one in heaven. What a deal. You get two grandmas. Well, we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed tonight's bedtime story. We hope you felt our love for you. And we hope you will have sweet dreams tonight. We love you so much.